Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. We are back. This is the Beauty RKO. I am your host, Professor Noir, and we are broadcasting live on full service radio from the Line Hotel in Washington, D.C. We are here with uh, my special guest, Miss Allison Lane. Hi. Tell the people all about yourself, you uh, sexy woman. Thank you so much uh, for having me, uh, Pussy. Yes, you can call Prefer- me Puss- Professor can- Pussy, or it's actually Professor Noir. Professor Noir, but you can call me by my first name since we've been friends for so long. I don't. I, okay, I'm gonna go with Professor Noir. This is a this your is a, venue. This is this is a master. This is class. your house. Yeah, I, well, I'm a pr- I, I respect the, your home. Well, all the students. I don't want to give them a bad example. I understood. So, Professor Noir. Yeah, students, please, <laughs> please Every, relax. Everyone, relax. 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 Everyone, chill out. Uh, yes, it's me. <laughs> D-list DC celebrity, Allison Lane. <laughs> uh, I have a show here at the Line Hotel as well called GTFO Radio. I'm a co-host of You, Me, Them, Everybody Radio. And I am just the cutest thing walking in the streets. Can you say that name of your show one more time very slowly? Because as she has learned, I don't do initials and acronyms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. G. Mm-hmm. <laughs> T. <laughs> F as in Frank. Oh. <laughs> Charlie Alpha Delta. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know the other ones is like Gary, Teddy. Like, I don't know the other, you know. It always has to be a Gary. It's like something like that. It should know. be a Gary. That'd be really that funny. That makes sense. <laughs> I mean, you can't spell Gary with anything but a G, right? Right? No, that's totally true. I just, I assume so. <laughs> like a silent X. Someone's going someone's, <laughs> someone's to hopefully write into this show because I'm trying to encourage people to write in like all the all the other successful podcast hosts and you know give me your opinions and correct me on my misspellings of the name gary <laughs> about so the name important. gary you know open, super important open our eyes onto the many <laughs> spellings of gary so helpful <coughs> Ooh, pardon me pardon me i have the ebola oh, i don't cute. have the ebola i just finished watching mm. hot zone though um, that is a show that was on national geographic uh starring juliana margulies from er and the good wife okay and uh Mists of Avalon, an NBC miniseries um, from the 90s. I just aged myself. And <laughs> it was about, like, the discovery of Ebola and how, like, we in America, in this in D.C., like, almost had an outbreak of Ebola that could have wiped out the entire fucking Oh, the one city. from, like, less than 10 years ago? Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, this one's was from, like, this was the early 90s one. This is okay, like the, the other one. Okay. Yeah, the, the other. The um, other time that we almost, almost got Ebola. Ebola. Yeah. yeah. Um, is this a white savior story? You know what? It's interesting. I thought about that. Because <laughs> you said Juliana Margulies first. I was like, all right, fine. She's always playing the white, white savior. savior. I know. Um, but, you know, I thought about that a lot. And I was like, there are some white savior moments in the story. Like when they're in Africa, like in the 70s, discovering this disease. I'm just like, there's some moments here that I don't know if it went down like this, but we'll say that this happened. Mm-hmm. You know, just for National Geographic to save face for the donors. You know, it's funny that we started to get Ebola back in D.C. after all the gentrifiers got here. Girl, I'm, I'm just, just saying, saying that. I'm also, just saying. Also, I, I saw this article this morning about New York has more rat sightings, and they're saying it's in large part due to gentrifiers. Gentrification, yes. yes. I saw that last week. It's wonderful. It's funny because, actually, when I lived in New York, 
we sadly enough had a mouse problem in my apartment. Mm-hmm. And I lived in like one of those like town ha- or brownstones that was made into an apartment building. Yes. One, the family below us had eight people in this two bedroom apartment. So where were the, the mice go? Clearly <laughs> up to our apartment. That was just two people in a two bedroom apartment. Very clean. Wow. And it was cra- and it wasn't like crazy like infestation. But every now and then you would see one. And my mom was just like, you know, that's because of the damn gentrification where they're digging up where they're breaking ground in all these buildings mm-hmm. and doing all this construction. But they're not treating the ground. Exactly. So they're just coming up now. The wharf had a huge issue with that. Yeah, the uh, wharf is gross. I don't know why people keep going down the there. The wharf is gross, but it's really funny because <laughs> the there are 500 square foot apartments that cost $3,000 a month. Yeah. And they have huge rat problems. No, I know. Well, because Which is just fantastic Well, to because me. they should have blown that thing up like an Ebola out- outbreak. Okay, first before they started that. The burn wharf, the land. The wharf, sage it. <laughs> sa- burn and sage <laughs> the land. Like, just completely char that bitch. Get a nice crust over it. Scoop it off with a knife like burnt toast. Mm-hmm. And start over again. Because that's what they should have. I mean, the wharf was gross in the first place. Very disgusting. It was already disgusting. And that's why that a lot of that started. Well, not because of a lot of that started. They... It was they let it get gross, and they're like, well, "We can really do this for much cheaper." You know, we cheaper. can just burn this up, right? Yeah, or not just, even burn this. No, just dig, dig it, up. it up. We can just dig it up. Like rats don't dig. Come on, exactly. Get out of here. Exactly. Who are your architects? Well, I mean, I'm glad. <laughs> well, let me just say, number one, I'm glad we're getting this off our chest because we are now in a section, everyone. Where is the closet clean? We got to clean. Oh, I have really big news about that. So the closet clean started because my closet. You've been to my apartment. I have. It's on the floor because I can never put anything away. Oh, I get that. You know, it's just it's just there. However, this weekend, two things happened. One, my air conditioning is broken, so my apartment's hot as hell. Literally, it feels like hell. Oh, good. They finally gave us a floor unit while we we're fixing the air conditioning, so it's much better now. Mm-hmm. But over the Memorial Day weekend, my apartment was hot as balls. Oof. My friend from New York was visiting, although she was okay because she lived in the jungle for like two years. So she's <laughs> literally, she lives in the Chilean jungle. So she's good. So because my apartment was so hot, I was like, I can't deal with this. I can't deal with like the clothes. I was just fabric collecting heat. Like I just need to do something. So I finally cleaned my room fully. Oh my God, congratulations. Which means like, I mean like I was, I wasn't. Clapping sounds. Yeah. Like number one, I was never dirty. Like, <laughs> yay! This is a I'm huge so proud deal. of you being clean. No, well, number Dear one, diary. No, number one, I want people to understand this. I am not a dirty person. I am a messy person. There's I, a huge difference. There's a huge difference. I don't keep like dirty clothes like out and blah, blah, blah. I put those in the hamper. I take those. I get them clean. However, the amount of clean clothes I have and the largest and the lo- amount of wardrobe I have, because I mm-hmm. keep pretty much two people's wardrobes, being a performer and being me, and <laughs> they're very extensive wardrobes, that I don't have a lot of space after a while. Yeah. And I was just, and I have a roommate who's also, you know, a famous nightlife person and also is a super fashion person off, not on stage. So we basically have four wardrobes and a two bedroom house. And I personally, and I wanted to, I, everyone, I want a wardrobe, um, a warder of my robes actually is what they were called. Okay. That's how a wardrobe became what it is because you would take care of the king and queen's clothes and furniture in these kind of warehouses, especially in England. And they were called the warders of the robe. Okay. I need a ward. For my robes. Okay. I need someone to like just come to my house eight hours a day, just put clothes away as I take them off. I change at least four times a day when I'm at home all day or like when I'm off. Four? Different temperatures. I get it. Different, different moods, different shit. moods, different temperatures. After I watched the Ebola thing, I'd have to change my outfit too. You I'd, know? Seriously, and I, I can't like, be wearing that sh- that Ebola stank on my. 
Get that. With my body. Get that shit out of here. Get that Ebola stink off. <laughs> so the closet is now clean. So we're going to talk about some other things. I'm glad we talked about the Ebola because I had to get that off my chest. Good. And um, Should we change your shirt or something? Like we, I might change my outfit again after <laughs> you, this. You might need to. I might I need to. <laughs> Ebola makes you fashionable, everyone. Uh, <laughs> That's so loaded. <laughs> so loaded. <laughs> so loaded. <laughs> um, another really fabulous thing that happened was today I just had one of my, I just restarted my laser treatments on my face. Because I don't like, I don't want a beard. Okay. I don't want a beard. I love guys with beards. I'm glad you have a beard. Do you, be you, be all of you. I don't like a beard on me. My brother, who is like three years older than me, who I'm going to see after this, he's in town from Switzerland doing his thing, being fabulous. Um... He had laser and his skin looks fabulous because also like when you're shaving as a black man and as I think a lot of men of color, you get scarring and Mm -hmm. so you get like discoloration. And so as nice as my skin is, it is like two different tones. Yeah. And I would like for my skin to be one even tone with the amount of vitamin E oil and essential oils. And, like, weird African butters that my friends get me. Gotta love that African butter. Like, I put, not even just African shea butter, like, just new shit. Like, you know. Oh, I'm familiar. Babasal oil. Babasal. I love a babasal. I'd love to say it like that, too. I'm putting it on. (laughs) Babasal. Babasal. You don't even know about this. (laughs) You can't even spell babasal. You don't even know know him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I am really excited. I'm really excited for my skin to look nice. I went to Logan 14. People go to them because they're really nice. And the vibe itself is just really cool. Well, you're glowing. Uh, thank you. Absolutely stunning. I am glowing. It's, I mean, it's also because I put palm oil all over my body. So it's just like... Does, is that an African butter or is it for your listener? <laughs> palm oil, I think, is, is from Africa, actually. I believe it is. I think it is from Africa. It is an African butter. It is an African butter. Yeah. <laughs> so... I'm there just saying, there, that could be a whole other segment. African butters, just oh, that's gonna be a whole other <laughs> show about African butters, or just how I wash my body in general. Because I definitely did a rinse with rose water and orange blossom today. And do you wonder why it takes so much work for us not to crack <laughs> butters, oils? So if y'all don't want to saging, crack, I'm yeah. just saying. If you don't want to crack, whip it out. We just keep saying water as a test, but yeah. like it's it's not. Water is like a part of the whole process, <laughs> but it's not the end all be all. Um, also, Pride is coming up. It is. Yay. Pride is coming. I am personally booked like a mofo, frankly, and I'm really excited about that. At first, I was just like, oh, God, I have so much to do. I was just like, wait, I have so much to do on Pride. I'm really fucking pumped. Mm-hmm. I am performing at the BYT party tonight with Yay. the House of Sunny because I love them. And They're they invited so wonderful. Me. They're wonderful. And they invited me babies. Yeah, into kind of the house periphery to like be part of it. I never wanted to like like run my own house or anything like that yeah but the fact of like them of themselves like really becoming this entity and inviting me i felt really really honored um and then tomorrow i'm doing a queer talk called let's have a queer conversation in northeast um at like 4 p.m to 7 so that's happening okay and lems is going to be there my friend dj lems i love dj lems Lems is going to be talking um about creating queer spaces and what that means and then next week, it's Sleaze on Thursday I'm performing, um, Echo Stage on Friday, Trade on Saturday, Hips on Saturday, Sunday I think I'm doing something, I'm pretty sure I signed up to do something, I haven't gotten that far. Uh, <laughs> that's so dope. Yeah. I'm actually going to have limbs on GTFO Radio on Thursday. Yes. Um, I'm sure that a lot of pride and queer things will come up. Oh yeah. And Ple- for the first time ever, I'm actually in the parade. 
Oh my God, are you really? Yeah. What are you going to be I'm doing? I'm representing one of my many jobs that I have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm actually in the parade this year. I, I'm super excited. She is a Jackie of all trades. I am everywhere. A Jack K of all trades. Jack K. <laughs> I actually don't know her catchphrase. I was going to do it, but I'm like, eh. I, I think that's amazing, though. You better work. <laughs> Listen. You better do it. We about to be talking about the things, and the things are very expensive here in DC. Well, people, girl, get her coins. Yes. Also, people, please listen to her show. It's absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the first, the way I got started doing my podcast, she invited me to just come sit in on her show and just get a sense of the whole process. And I was like, I can do this. Yeah. And so yeah, I've, it's really funny, and Allison is incredible. And I love you. I love you. Uh, I love you. Um, On that lovely positive note, we're going to take a little break. And then we're going to come back. Because the reason why we're here, class, is to talk about something very, very important. Oh, my God. I just had deja vu. Like, I had this dream a couple days before. This is really weird. Um, Okay. uh, (laughs) Now for a magical break. No. We're going to be talking about um, the history of black women's hair um, in kind of like an overall general statement but really stemming from a law in this country starting 1786 that banned black women from exposing their hair in public so we're gonna talk about that when we come back and we're gonna unpack some shit we'll be right back That was some beautiful music. Thank you for that. I really, Very soft. I was really into that vibe. Yeah, let's fucking do it. I love a good like atmospheric vibe. I love atmospheric music. Like I really am a forty-year-old black woman that's just like loving Jesus and loving my neo soul, my neo soul. And see, I'm often like confused by it. I think that's just by proxy of my personality being like so like. <laughs> just really amped up all the time. I'm like, all right, so am I supposed to smoke weed to this or sleep to this? Like, what is... Do both. You smoke weed and then go to sleep. But I feel like I need to be regimented, but also, like, spontaneous about it at the same time. Well, what you do is with atmospheric music, you put it on at home, Mm -hmm. you get a caftan, make sure it's floor sweeping, not that short shit above the ankle, because that makes you look cheap. <laughs> Looks like you can't afford fabric. Okay. So you get one floor sweeping. You get some little desserts, some petty fours, you know? Get us a couple desserts. Is there drinking involved? I have not finished. Okay. <laughs> you get yourself a nice bottle of a sparkling rosé. I told you, I can't even relax thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, you like... get a nice bottle of sparkling rosé. Okay. You roll yourself a beautiful spliff and you just have a day. And you'll fall asleep and you'll wake up like 8 o'clock at night and be like, you know what? It's time to go out. Or you wake up at 10 o'clock and be like, it's really time to go out. Let me put on the face, and I'll be out at the perfect time. 
Okay. That's a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. She's like, girl, Monday ain't going to be the same. I was like, that, that sounds like a time. <laughs> well, we are back. You are listening to the Beauty Archeo. I am your host, Professor Noir. We are here with my guest, Miss Allison Lane. Um, so fabulous D list celebrity of Washington DC. I think I'm going to make that a thing happen. I think this you year. should it, definitely. It, it definitely I think it fits. <laughs> I think it fits. And we are a fashion history comedy podcast, which I forgot to say earlier. So if you're like just tuning in, you're like, why are they just talking about things? This is a fashion history comedy podcast. And, oh. and <laughs> thank what, you. What you want? And thank you. What you want? So get out your pads and your pens cuz you know, we don't do technology here. We only do pen and paper. Let me push up that glass. Push up the glasses. And kids, I want you to be taking notes because we are going to be talking about the Tinian laws. Good god. So, a Tinian if you are not familiar is a head wrap. Um usually it's a type of head wrap. It's not necessarily a turban. Um Tinians tend to have I would say almost a conical or a straight up and down shape. Mm-hmm. Um, they fully wrap the head on the top and they are made to not expose any hair whatsoever. Um, a lot of the times tinians will be wrapped in like very colorful textiles or wrapped even on the sides and decorated in certain ways. So like maybe like a certain kind of knot. And that's what I'm talking about when you see that modern day. And tinians are tend to be worn specifically for um, African or African-American women. Turbans are are wrapped a little bit differently, and that tends to be more of a Middle Eastern root, should I say? So more culturally ascribed than rather than what a tenyan is is a different. So even so, like right now, so Allison is with me, and you guys cannot see this. Um, yes, people know how much I love a Pinterest because I talk about Pinterest all the time. Um, but I will show a, a picture to Allison right now of what tinians tend to look like. So again, like I said before, more of a straight up and down, sometimes even a slight conical shape. Okay. It fully wraps the top of the head all the way around the head with no hair exposure. And right now, what I'm showing Allison is a picture from the 1700s. It was painted around the 1790s of three free black women. Um, does it say where? I, it doesn't say where, but I want to say this is probably like a, a depiction of New Orleans. Well, they are very free and very light-skinned. They're very light-skinned. And they are wearing hats on hats they're, on hats. They're wearing some Janelle Monet moments of hats on hats on hats. Yeah. Um, which is funny because, you know, technically Janelle Monet was kind of wearing this very similar look at the Met Gala. She was. Um, so Tinian's are head wraps. And in 1786, I will just read this. This headdress was a result of sumptuary laws passed in 1786 under the administration of Governor Esteban Rodriguez Miro called the Tinian Laws. They prescribed and enforced appropriate public headdress for female Jean de Couleur in, the, in colonial society. The Jean de Couleur are the free people of color in colonial society. So Haiti... Um, or what was then Port-au-Prince um, and New Orleans specifically, and the free people of color that lived in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. The free people of color, um, oh gosh, that is a whole Henry Louis Gates episode waiting to happen. <laughs> um, the free people of color at that time were people who were kind of first-generation children of relations, either non-consensual or consensual, a lot of the times non-consensual relationships that happened between um, white male sailors and black female slaves, um, particularly like French white male sailors and black female slaves. You're about to say something, Allison. You look like you're about I was to say, say something. Like four things. First of all, yeah. uh, 
let's unpack that colorism and racism has been in this country forever. There have been yes. laws about it. And our sort of our it's so ingrained into our culture and our psyche that we're still unpacking where the fact that somebody I'm pretty sure going to get to this. Somebody got mad about hair. Yeah. About black women's hair and decided to make it a thing. Well, I'm glad that you're saying that right now because that's literally where I was going into, and we're just reading each other. We're reading each other's hair right now. Uh, also, I was stuck on the consensual rape thing. I'm, I'm sorry, consensual sex. They just rape women. Yeah, yeah. No, I. They straight up just rape them. Now, I, that's why I said I was just like, there are at least two confirmed stories of what it appears to be a consensual relationship, and that is something that was recently discovered. And heavily, heavily researched. I just recently saw it in a documentary about um, slave English and Fr- slave relations between the English and French in the early 1700s. Mm-hmm. That is the only reason why I said that. Oh, yeah. But as I said, 99.9% of the time it was rape. <laughs> like, like, let's be real. Um, because, you know, like, it's like, because the thing is, is too, is like when someone, and if, I'm pretty sure someone may be listening to this and, can, and questioning what we're talking about, but... You know, yes, you have people in power now, and then you have people who are not in power, and people will consider that a not consensual relationship because someone's in power and someone is not. Mm-hmm. This is even further than that. They were literally enslaved. They were literally enslaved. And, <coughs> and at that point, enslavement for the transatlantic slave trade was probably the most brutal ever seen in the world because this is when people literally were just chattel. They were put into the numbers with the livestock. They had no names. They had no identities. So the fact that, one, these relations happened because also relations at that time were, like, because the slave trade was still getting its footing and its roots, relations between, like, black slaves and white colonials weren't necessarily regulated just yet. Mm -hmm. And so these things were happening a lot more where you had a lot more children of color being born in these first generations. Um, with that, then you have this mass population of a new race where race also in this country is the first time in, um, in the Americas, should I say, race for the first time ever was being defined by colorism and not by ethnicity. You had a whole new generation. And this kind of genre de couleur comes from what was happening in, in South America and Brazil in particular, where every time a new child of a different color was born, a new race category was made. And Mulatto. That, uh, yes. Well, not th- that is just... <laughs> that but, is just a mess. But that's also, like, even the word mulatto comes from mule, which is the breeding of a cow and a donkey? It's fucked up. Yes. And then on top of that, that is a general term. That is just a general term. That does not even go into how diverse the amount of like racial segregation was because you had mestizos and like I mean just every other kind of like situation happening Mm -hmm. and that's coming out of Brazil that same model was being enforced in places like Puerto Prince and Haiti and in New Orleans in the Americas by this point where you have this full generation of light-skinned people that have now grown up they are at the age of creating families and they're at the age of adults they some of them become slaves a very a lot of them become slaves because their mothers are oh whoa just burped right into the microphone mm-hmm. it's that damn kombucha eight dollars girl um, <laughs> now what happens is because because of this you then develop laws banning relations between the races or you start to, they start developing laws restricting the relations so then you have laws that say because your mother, because the, be, oh, that's what is the thing. 
by the late 1600s, um, the laws based on the court case, the laws, and I should have gotten this information. I'm so sorry, everyone, that I did not pull this up. Um, but there, was, there were two court cases with one singular slave that defined these laws and set the precedent. It was a slave woman who sued her master in her early 20s for not paying her because she was technically an indentured servant of an African woman. Then she was released. But because she was a free woman, a free black woman at that time, you were completely ostracized from society. So you had no place to go. You could not even get resources. You literally had to live off the land outside of society. Hold up. Who, what country is she stealing people in? This is in America. No way. This is in America. This mm. is, but I'm, I'm about to tell you, this is America. This is They're going to take away her freedom somehow. Wait, I'm about to get there. <laughs> I'm about to get there. And this is in New York in the 1600s. Then... By the time she comes back into records, in court records, by the time of her 40s, where she was arrested for stealing, like, bread or something. And that is when her and her child were then sent back into servitude, and then it was put into law that any child born into slavery, because by the mother, if the mother is born into slavery, the child will serve slave, serve mm-hmm. as a slave. And that was also based on color, so that was the first time that any African slave... Because you still had a system of slavery happening with different, certain different races and certain class of people, mostly criminals coming from Europe. Mm-hmm. But they were still indentured. They didn't have necessarily the They still had names. They, weren't, they were not treated as chattel. They still had names. But that's when the law really separated itself and said, no, as if you are a black indentured servant, you are then considered a slave. And then every child born unto you after that will then also serve into slavery. Yes. So with that, you then had this dichotomy happening. We'll skip ahead back to this Jean de Couleur being born, where you had this generation of children who are becoming adults who are either 90%, I would say maybe 89% of them do become slaves because their mothers were slaves. And a small sect of them become free by their fathers or by their master father. They become free. Mm-hmm. Um, that develops into a whole other set of laws because now you have these free brown people walking around. They're able to own homes to a certain degree, but only in very small sections of town. Um, there is, a, like in the French Quarter in New Orleans, you can still see where the Jean de Couleur own their homes. Um, but even then, that movement about where you can go and what you could exist like was restricted. And the Tinian laws were a very clear representation of that because as this, as this whole generation developed, they developed freedom, they developed an identity. Um, that identity was being seen very public. And that identity comes in direct competition with, I mean, the sexual nature and the sexual environment of the colonies, and how that would be preceded. Because also the colonies were all about breeding. You had, to, you had to colonize. So the fact that now you have a generation that people did not want to happen in the first place, now being able to be part of it and to sexually also engage, that needed to be restricted in some way. So cert- certain things were developed, and one of those things was the Tinian Laws, where black women's beauty was then restricted so that they were not... They were. They would then not be be perceived as sexual, as sexual partners or partners. More matronly. More More matronly. Yeah. Um, Which I'm sure this is eventually going to give birth to the mammy. 
Oh yeah, well, like in the future. It's, it's, yeah, in the I mean, future. it's a long road. But it's like, a long road. Yeah, it's not like an Instagram world back in the 1600s, <laughs> yes. or it happens in a week. But like, yes, it's. But what happened is, is on a fashion <clears throat> level, because we as black people do this. If you give us motherfucking lemons, we will make you the best lemonade in the world. Mm-hmm. And so these women, instead of saying we are going to cower to this law and cover ourselves up and hide in the shadows, they're like, okay, if you want our heads covered, we're just going to cover it. We're going to really go to town with this. So in that photo that I showed you, mm-hmm. there's one woman literally wearing a huge tinian, probably a foot a foot to two feet above her head, off the, off the top of her head, Hell yeah. in this light pink fabric. Sitting on top of that is a full wide brim straw hat with a scarf around that yes, as well. Ma'am. You know what I mean? So they, dis- so they went to town with that. They said, we're going to protest this. We are going to show you what we can do with this and show you that our, ex- our presence and our existence will not be quieted. So is this also called the birth of camp? Because that's really where this is coming from. <laughs> I mean, kind of. It is I mean, the birth of camp. Like, like, I mean, like, people... It's so extra. Yeah, and they went really extra. So the thing is, that, so what became very popular is that these women of color were wearing these beautiful tinians. And these women, start again, were able to own property and create businesses, so these women had money. And so they were doing tinians out of, like, beautiful silks and dipioni silks, which was very popular, a very popular silk at the time because it was iridescent. Um, they would cover it in pearls and jewels and bows and all these beautiful decorations and just really bold colors that you really didn't squeak, that you really didn't see quite often. Funny enough... That goes all the way over back into Europe, where I don't know if you remember or if you ever realized this, but Marie Antoinette, one of her biggest inspirations for the Petit Trianon years, this is the 1780s, which is after these Tinian laws were created, the Petit Trianon years, she was throwing out her hair because she wanted to look like the women in Port-au-Prince. So she's an and OG she, Kardashian. And she was, <laughs> And she was wearing... Of, she was wearing a more looser version of the tinian by covering the top of the hair as well and decorating it in very electric fabrics. Mm. And then in, also the other women of France in the French court were doing the same thing. And they're like, oh my God, where did you get this hairstyle Style from? It's like, Marie, I don't know. you're so original. I just created it. It's I just like. It's just something I picked up overseas. Seas. Oh my God. I, I was just traveling and seeing my husband's plantations. Mm. Um, so that is. <laughs> so after I've just gone through this huge diatribe, that is just a little bit about a very rough sketch about how this law came to be and going from there, how it started to affect society. Um, like I always say, especially on this podcast, fashion is identity. It means the way. And style is the language in which you communicate. And so the fact that these women were using fashion as the way in which they communicated and that their language came out in this, I think it's probably one of the most powerful, silent protests that we've ever seen in America because this translated for the rest of women's history, for the West of Black women's history in this country. Um, Coming out of that, then you go into the struggle of black women's hair. Yep. And I, I know I've gone this diatribe, and I don't want to like stop you from saying anything, but you have made a lot of faces and held a lot I of breath. I was like, I don't know when you want me to tell you things. I, I, have, would I, love so to, I would love to hear from you. Because, Should this be an interview style? Or are you going to ask me the questions? I have all of the answers. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to give people some context, but okay. I would like to say that one of the reasons why I brought Allison on this show is because she's definitely a woman that is known for her hair. It changes 
Um, and it she becomes a different she doesn't become a different person I'll say you always remain the same person but you definitely embody the richness of the hairstyle in which you're wearing and so thinking about what the Tinian laws meant in terms of covering up your hair and you as a woman that does not cover up the hair you really like expose it and really bring it to the forefront mm-hmm. I would really like for everyone to hear about your experience with hair. It's really funny that you... Well, right now my hairstyle is very big. It's its loud. It's bold. I think that I'm just in a place in my life where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be ignored. I'm not going to be uh, looked over. But also, you're not going to deny me my blackness in uh, spaces that where you're often able to dismiss it. Exactly. Uh, be it work, be it in my hobbies, be it in on the streets. I'm going to be present. Now, it's funny... Because as we talk about Tenyans, I think about the time that I was wearing head wraps for a while. Yes, you were. I was doing a head wrap thing for a while. But to be honest, looking back, that was a time I was hiding. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Emotionally, I was hiding. This has been a, a, hair is always a journey for any woman or just anybody, really. I think, yeah, for anybody. For anybody, hair is a journey. Um, Many cultures, Europe, South America... Asia, everyone has relationship with hair that goes even to spirituality. But rarely is it as politicized as it is to be a black woman. Yeah, very um, much so. Very much so. To, to the point now we're passing laws about, you know, you can't discriminate against, or against a black person's hair. Yeah. Styles and choices. And people are learning to unpack their own neuroses between, I, I guess, you know, what dreadlocks actually mean to people of color. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm not even say people of color. Black people. People yeah. who are black or af- African descent. Um, <laughs> I like lost my dream. I was going. There's a lot of things going on right here. This but is a like, fashion history comedy it, podcast. It's a. Uh, it's it's always a. Uh, it has been something that's been politicized now. Very much so. Very much so. What was the question that you asked me? Where well, your we experience. Well, your experience. I mean, oh, alone. it's a lot. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I've done braids. I'm right now. I'm I'm rocking a lovely protective style. You are a protective style. Uh, it's called crochet braids. So I have to ask you a question as yeah. well. So, you know, obviously I went to this history about Tinians and we can jump ahead into the 20th century where you had, you know, like people like the women like the Supremes who were the symbol of black female beauty at the time for mm-hmm. a long period of time. And they wore wigs and very straight hair and really adhered to a Western standard about hair to be accepted, to be received and to move forward. Then you go into, and this is like 50s into the 60s, and Mm -hmm. then you go into the 70s, and there's a whole pushback with the Afro and the natural and the serious natural movement. And even at that time, the braids movement, that's when the African braids movement started coming. That's very post-Black Panther as well. Yes. So, like, it's very, like, you know, Afro-radical movement. But I think it's funny. um, The funny thing about you saying wigs and that, like, sort of representing people, or what people perceived as black women wanting to look whiter or have straighter hair or like yeah. these things. People have been wearing wigs for literally decades, eons, centuries. centuries yeah. Centuries. We've been wearing wigs. Yeah. We've been adding extensions to our hair. It has never been... Some of the first wigs are from Africa, s- Egypt. But it's never been about like, I don't have hair, which is what people associate with, especially black women these days. Yeah. People come up to me every day, is it your hair? I'm like, do you see it? <laughs> Yes, it's real. What are you? What are you trying to get at it? But the reason why I don't answer that question anymore because I understand that, that it's an anti-black 
sentiment when you ask that question. Exactly. You yeah. are trying to say that black women are unable to ca- take care of their hair. We're unhealthy. Mm-hmm. We are insecure for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know what about this hairstyle screams insecure, whether it's real or not. <laughs> but we're not going to have that. And I'm not going to continue to let people think that answers asking that question very publicly to try to embarrass me. Exactly. That, yeah. uh, is this your real hair? Yeah. No, it's not. But it has nothing to do with that. I like this. Yeah. This is a hairstyle that I have chosen. This is how I have chosen, as you say, my fashion and yeah. my style, my way of presenting to the world what I'm about. Exactly. And it's interesting, too, because like I definitely, growing up, have asked that question to many a young black girl, is this your real hair? Because... We're conditioned to ask that question. We're conditioned to ask that question. But when when you learn, when you know better, you do better. And it's fine because I literally asked a coworker of my my other job, um, is this her, I asked her that, is this her real hair? And she like stopped for me. I was just like, I just want to know because it's just so beautiful Mm because it's just, she has very full, rich hair. And she was like, no, this is, she's just like, yeah, this is my real hair. But also, like, listening to you as well, I think to myself, I need to check myself from even asking that question to my own sisters because that is me perpetuating us perpetuating that yeah that sense of negativity and questioning your perception of your own identity you know like bitch sometimes i just don't want to do my hair yeah it just be like that yeah it has nothing to do with it's like whatever connotations like unless you're asking where you bought the hair from which i get that question a lot too yeah if you want to buy it, like that's, yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah, it's it's like, like when you ask me where you got them shorts from. Yes, you like those shorts. You want to buy some too? This is where we we yeah. Let's well, get fashionable it's, together. It's like how some of my friends of, of of finer hair, I will say, my white friends, um, will walk out the house with their hair wet instead of blow drying it. I'm just like I would never walk out the house looking wet unless I was doing a McQueen look. You're like wet hair and a suit. I'm like there's something wrong with you right now, but. Why is that your aesthetic? But also, that's a thing, though. It's like, you know, air drying the bitch. They can't always fucking blow dry their hair out every day. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. They got to take care of their hair, too. And so there, it's funny because, like, one, we start, you start saying, like, everyone has a relationship with their hair in some way. And it's very true. Mm-hmm. But nothing has been more politicized than a black woman's hair. Yeah. You know, even a black man's hair has been politicized, but a black woman's hair is even more politicized. Um, it wasn't t- not too long ago. I think at least... A year ago, if not this year, earlier this year, there was a case in New York about a woman, you know, almost losing her job because of her hair. Yeah. Because her hair was in locks. And one in New York, I was like, girl, in New York? <laughs> if I was a judge, I was just like, um, I'm sorry, sir. Do you many black people are here? Yeah, we're not doing this. Get out of my court. No, that's just like the, our military wasn't allowing for women. They, or I'm sorry, black women's hair had to be... I think either Corn Road mm-hmm. or the dreadlocks were just recently allowed yeah, yeah. at certain lengths. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is insanity. It is. Now, I will say the military is a little bit slightly different for me just because of, I guess, just knowing the history of military. I'm just like, there are certain standards that I understand where they're coming from. So I, for me, I don't see it as too much of a craziness. Um it's not too out of whack as opposed to someone being in like a civilian job. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know what you mean, but like, I'm going to go ahead and say like, that's just perpetuating a different type of racism. Yeah. Like I'm not giving anybody any slack. Like they can fuck right off. Do we curse on this show? Because yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We can totally curse. We can totally so they curse. can fuck right off because I think that what they're saying is this is, this is, them setting that precedent is like playing into respectability politics. Mm-hmm. Like this is what it is to be, you know, manly and like somebody can protect you. Mm. Your hair's got to look like this though. Yeah. But if it doesn't, 
Yeah. You're you're pretty much not good enough for us. I mean, I will say there also is the, utils- uh, the utility thing. It's like you can't have your hair too long just because if you're actually in battle, like, it doesn't... It, and I get that. But explicitly... I mean, go, but you, also, I will say this. That's an occupational now, hazard you're going to learn. But I will say this, though. That works better when we were back in the hand-to-hand combat back in the day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we ain't doing hand-to-hand combat. We're just straight remote controls. So I totally... I mean, like, thinking about it, I do get... Because I was thinking more of the utilitarian aspect. Not necessarily... I don't agree with necessarily what... Like, just like you were saying, like, developing a standard in terms of, like, this is how masculinity is and this is what you should look like to do this job. Mm-hmm. It was more interesting about the utilitarian aspect of, like, well, it's like being a swimmer. You can't have, like, your hair too long because you want to be able to swim faster. Those kinds of things add weight or they add, like, it's an occupational hazard, things like that. However, when I was saying that statement, I just thought to myself, well, everything is, like, a remote control at this point. Like, yeah. who are you waving at? It's Marcus Dowling. Hi. Hey, boo. Um... But like D-list celebrity over here. D-list. D-list celebrity. Um, so going further and talking more about this, um, you're listening to the Fashion History Comedy Podcast, The Beauty Archeo. <laughs> this has been hilarious. I had to like get myself back together because <laughs> I totally forgot what the fuck I was going to say. Because there's just so much to talk about. I mean, there's so much history. There's so much going on in the present. Um, I think... I think... My last question for you is, how do you feel? So we have this history of black women really struggling to establish their beauty as a standard in this country, if not in the world. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of progress that has come out of it, but still a lot further to go. How do you feel about some of our biggest African-American voices and icons showing something completely different in terms of their hair choices. Mainly, and I know this is your girl, so that's I'm going to challenge you on this, Beyonce, who wears a lot of blonde hair. Mm-hmm. Well, there are blonde black people, so there's She that. is not one of them, though. She's not. She's not one of them. But nobody bats an eye when a white person dyes their hair, so like, I'm yeah. not going to... Yeah, so that's... I'm I, not even... Like, well, <laughs> I've, and you know the thing is, I've always been interested in that question, and I've mm-hmm. always wanted to ask that question because black women really have not only the right, but should be able to experiment however they want to after all of thousands of years of oppression of beauty. Mm -hmm. And so seeing women, um, especially very hardcore black women who are representing hardcore black women, like ideals and aesthetics, when they do wear things like straight blonde hair, or I mean, like Beyonce did, paid two Swedish girls for their fucking hair, um, which is still the most chicest thing ever. Um, I do not come for her for that. I always wonder how people feel about that. Is that something that's, is that something that, that we should even think about as part of the rhetoric of part of like what they're doing to further the cause and to further the beauty, the beauty journey. I think what Beyonce is doing and I, I hope for a lot of people is not normalizing what it is to have a certain aesthetic that is approachable for a white audience. Mm-hmm. I think we should look at it more as Beyonce is doing what she can to give women the option of doing whatever the fuck they want to do I, and being very black about it yeah. in that same way. Like we're always going to be scrutinized and until like it's more like she actually looks like shit with this hair instead of like she's wearing this hair and I don't get what she's trying to like yeah. portray. Yeah. Like that's what I like that's yeah. what I hope is actually happening. Yeah. Because let's be honest, she hasn't skipped a beat since like she was doing the micro braids that were pulling all of her edges out <laughs> back in the late nineties. But like she hasn't skipped a beat True. as far very as fashion so. goes. Yeah, no, very much so. Very much so. I also love the fact that she seems to be getting darker. 
I'm really happy about that. Yeah, not only her hair, but her skin, too. Yeah, there was a moment where people were just questioning, is Beyonce getting lighter? Is she bleaching? I'm just like, I don't think so, girl. <laughs> she's getting better photographers. Yeah, like, she's getting photographers that actually understand how to photograph her. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just, I've always wanted to ask that question because it's very interesting to me. And knowing your perspective and hearing that, it just gave me chills as well. It really did because it's very true. It's like she is showing... A variety of black beauty. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, I mean, like, look at her videos now. It really is the full fucking spectrum, you but know? See, I say, I take that and I challenge you to, like, this Nicki uh, Minaj and Cardi B right now. Mm hmm. Imagine if they, there would not be Nicki Minaj doing pink hair and all the other crazy shit she used to do mm-hmm. and what Cardi B's doing mm-hmm. uh, with their hair if there had not been Beyonce's hair mm-hmm. being scrutinized before that. Exactly. She did experiment with a lot of things. And I think, um, yeah, we wouldn't have those fun looks <laughs> without her pushing a blonde aesthetic. At least she sticks with like one same thing. Yeah, like everybody else is just doing just whatever. They're just well. I mean, like up. me personally, like I have kept my hair very short all of my life as a black man, mm-hmm. and then I decided to grow out my hair when like right before I turned thirty because I really wanted longer straight hair. And it's funny because some of my friends were just like really, Jason, straight hair? Are you feeling an oat that we need to unpack? And I was just like, no, I just really want to try it out and see what it looks like. And so when I did it, I, I loved it, and I keep it like this now, but I also knew what was being portrayed. I just think it's funny because now what, like, Usher and Young Jock have had straight hairstyles yeah. this year? But theirs don't look as good as mine. They, they don't. don't know how to do it. And it's also not, like, I'm just saying. Like, I was just like, they, this- sh- they should follow my Instagram if they want to do it, because I'm just like... <laughs> Like, you, I well, showed you. Well, because I my thing was this: like, if I was gonna do it, I was just like, I'm already taking a risk by doing something like this. Because like, black men with straight hair is very rare. Like, we haven't been relaxing hair on a regular since the '60s. Conkaline, baby. Yeah, yeah, as a girl. <laughs> so you know, like, so all right, I was taking a risk, and then like two, I was just like, you know, what, if I'm gonna do it, I want to make it look like it's as natural as possible. Like, not like you know, curly uh, curly tendrils natural, but just like like it was supposed to look like this, you know. And so I didn't want to dye it because someone asked me if I was going to dye it blonde. I was just like, I'm going to look confused <laughs> if I go there. I've done bleach blonde before. I was going to ask. You have to do it at least once in your life. I've done bleach blonde before. It looked amazing on me when my hair was really short and I looked super cut. And I did it the year before all those other little black boys were doing it in Hollywood. They was following my Instagram. I still feel like people are doing that and not giving me the credit. They never do. Bro. They never do. They never do. I'm paranoid about it. I'm not actually paranoid. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> People are going to be like, oh, God, pussy's paranoid. Uh, (laughs) But nonetheless, thank you so much for being on this show. Thank you for having me. This Um, has been delightful. We definitely got onto a little bit of a soapbox about the subject of black women's hair. And there's so much more to think about and to talk about. So I definitely want people, when listening to the show, think about your experiences. um, Think about your relationship with the black women in your life and their relationships with their hair. And honestly, think about your own relationship with your own aesthetics and what that means to you. Um... When we do in a way that is healthy, it doesn't make us shallow people. I think it makes us better people that can communicate to the rest of the world and allow the world to receive you and you receive them. So everyone, thank you so much for coming. We'll be back next week with another fun episode of the Beauty Archeo, your fashion history comedy podcast. I'm your host, Professor Noir, and let's all thank my guest, Miss Allison Lane, for thank joining you so us. Thank you for having me, Professor it was Noir. It's so fun. It's delightful. It was fun. Oh my God. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.
Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at FullServiceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening. <laughs>